0: Okay, G'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a Celia package, INGNZB. And this morning, uh, the government's COVID response. I'm sure it's way better and has um, filled Mike Hosking with much more confidence than he's had previously. Uh, are we going to be in the light system all the way through winter? And if so, why? Uh, and uh, the job vacancies uh, galore. Oh, and and uh, TVNZ and uh, RNZ getting together. This is still on, apparently. Uh, but before any of that, it turns out we just can't process all these tests
1: people are wanting done. The problem, Mike. What happened to our capacity to do sixty thousand tests a day? <laughs> was this all BS? Uh, yes, it was BS, as it turns out. So this was Asia Viral. She said, no problems at all. We can go from thirty nine thousand tests a day to a baseline of fifty eight thousand, no problems. Terry Taylor's the one to listen to. He's the president of the New Zealand Institute of Medical Laboratory Science. He says even though it seems a bit of an oxymoron, our capacity actually drops as the surge increases. We just do not have the resources, the staffing, the consumables to actually be able to maintain anything more than around twenty five to thirty odd thousand tests a day. Taylor was unsure where the 58,000 figure came from as the Institute had not been approached by the government about it. So basically, Aisha asked Ashley. Ashley went, oh, I think, oh, 58? Maybe?
0: I mean, to be fair, they are doing heaps of tests. Yeah, just not quite. They're just not doing anything with those tests once they've done them. Yeah, it's not really testing capacity that's the issue, is it? It's um, result capacity, uh,
1: which is a little bit harder to describe i suppose see how confusing it is to be the government and be in charge of these things how's that um, how's that love affair with ashley bloomfield going for you eh did you get the uh, t-shirt or did you buy the apron now for those who beatified him idolized him told everyone how wonderful he was just what were you specifically basing all that on eh i saw through him at the start of this whole campaign of course start of covid when he kept trying to tell us how there was no issue with the distribution of ppe despite doctors and nurses who are of course of well-known liars, tell us are uh, actually screaming every morning at us that there were none Uh, It's been an ongoing charade, of course, the flu jab rollout last year, the vaccine rollout that never happened when it should have because they didn't order any in time, the rat test rollout you've just heard about that still hasn't happened because they stole them all when they finally woke up. The astonishing tale I told you about the other day that lasted a whole year of the ministry refusing various media outlets, a simple answer around a graph that they gave Hipkins, who told us it was the result of careful work, despite the graph showing second jabs started before first jabs. And when asked what data had gone into that material, a mad year-long game of obfuscation ensued until finally the ministry relented and coughed the truth. Those are but fleeting examples in a cacophony of BS, obstruction, incompetence, and efficiency, unprofessionalism, and just plain uselessness, all led by St. Ashley. And now, as if this wasn't enough, and as this wasn't always going to be the way, a testing regime that is nowhere near what they said it would be. This year, Aisha Verrill, the same woman who pre-MP days, wrote that report about gold standard tracking and tracing. Remember that? Another shambles never properly delivered. She announced grandiosely that testing capability would be going from a maximum of 39,000 tests a day to 58,000. We have a rolling average of about 29,000. The system is now officially broken. The five-day result claim is shot. Tests aren't being processed. They are at capacity. Rats are being handed out left, right and centre. This is not what it said on the tin or anywhere close. Further, the people processing the tests uh, process all the country's tests for things like, oh I don't know, cancer. Guess what happens to that testing? This is what you get When you have an incompetent ministry relied upon by an inexperienced and incompetent government and a government that insists it knows best and run everything to the nth degree with the maddening series of rules and finger-pointing and holier-than-thou condescension. Businesses closing left, right and centre because staff are at home, most of them perfectly well, waiting on a test that isn't coming. The economy grinding to a halt because of insane rules that imprison the well, just in case. All backed up by a system that they told us was one thing and yet again, Is nothing of the sort.
0: Uh, But not to worry, because the government's done such an amazing job of guiding us through uh, the COVID pandemic, uh,
1: they can uh, now cure the common cold as well, apparently. Have I got that right? Uh, Adern, this is official. For all you people texting me going, come on, she didn't say the light system's going to be for the flu. Let me quote you. She cautioned, she, Adern, Princess on High Horse, cautioned that the traffic light system, if you didn't read Steve Brawnius over the weekend, I don't have a huge amount of time for Steve Brawnius personally, but he occasionally is funny. And he wrote a very, very, very funny piece uh, last weekend in the Herald about her being on her high horse. And it just summed it up magnificently. Anyway, uh, she cautioned that the traffic light system was likely to remain in place for the winter to combat not just covid but the return of the flu following two winters where the flu had kept largely at bay, blah, blah, blah. As our border opens, we approach winter. As our border opens, we approach winter with the potential of more illness. We need to ensure our health system can manage a heavier burden, said Her Majesty. So it is here
0: for the winter now uh normally i accuse mike of sounding like he's doing pakistani when he puts on a fake accent and the exception being he does do quite a good uh, queen impersonation although i felt that was a bit insensitive this morning when there were some fairly strong rumors going around that the queen had shuffled off um luckily for him she has not in fact shuffled off so hollywood got that story about the queen wrong i'm not quite sure what hollywoodunlock.com is doing reporting about anything to do with the queen i don't quite understand the connections with hollywood there but anyway if you've got a hot tip i guess you've got a hot tip uh
1: meanwhile uh back here want a job there's heaps you want a job teagle are advertising currently teagle have got over a hundred jobs over a hundred Staff of two and a half thousand. Hatchery workers, chicken catchers, process workers, farm workers, industrial cleaners, logistic teams, roll truck drivers can't get them. I was looking at the tradies the other day. Uh, big brain drain's coming. You're earning uh, 30% more in Australia. Uh, some of the sectors have all but given up advertising for their jobs and constructions. No applications. None. Certain sectors are offering sign-on cash bonuses, additional leave days, more money, plumbers, gas fitters, drain layers. Every country in the world is looking for that talent at the moment. they got 300 apprentices training through Masterlink. The moment they uh, graduate, they quit and they head overseas. That's the state of the economy, I'm afraid, but, um, you know, as long as we hit the lowest death rate in the OECD. I'm fascinated that
0: one of the job vacancies Tegel has is for um, chicken catchers. Um, Like, I mean, I I, I suppose it's not going out in the wild and hunting down chickens and bringing them back in cages. I suppose it, it literally is just... I mean, I don't know what the state of where the chickens live fatigue is. I'm sure there's animal rights activists out there who claim that it's sort of chicken concentration camp conditions. Um, but either way, I wouldn't have thought that that's a challenging job, to catch a chicken. Maybe it is. Maybe it's a good workout. Is it inside or outside? Um, is there a net, or do you... Just put on a pair of gloves. Are you at risk of being picked? So many questions. Uh, and uh, we've also got questions about this uh, proposed merger between TVNZ
1: and Radio New Zealand. Uh, apparently it's still on. So the, uh, the word is that the Cabinet has decided to indeed go ahead and merge TVNZ and Radio New Zealand. Now, I am assuming that to a degree. What seems accepted is that on Monday's Cabinet meeting or at ca- uh, Monday's Cabinet meeting, they made the decision... They're just not telling us at this particular point in time. I'm assuming that decision was to pull the trigger. I mean, this is an ideological government. They tend to just bowl ahead with their ideas, whether the advice that came back made any sense or not. And it's not like they didn't have advice. I mean, they got at least two major reports costing serious money. They set up a group headed by Tracy Martin, the former New Zealand first MP. What she knows about broadcasting, I've got no idea. But from day one, they seem hell-bent on making this happen. It started, if you remember, with Claire Curran. Ah, Claire, remember her? She was um, a Minister of the Crown until she ran into coffee trouble with state radio employee Carol Hirschfeld. Got picked up by Chris Farfoy, someone who at least has set foot in a television station. And we just stand by now, apparently, for the confirmation of the decision. For what it's worth, I mean, take or leave my thinking, I've only had 40 years in this game employed by most of them over the years, so what would I know? But having worked for most of them, the biggest basket case was Radio New Zealand and merging them with anything is to infect the other group with a very problematic outlook on the business and indeed life. I mean, Radio New Zealand is just plain weird. TVNZ I've worked for under several guises when they were commercial and being primed for sale and when they were run by the last Labour government operating under a charter. The former was way more fun than the latter, but on all occasions, government ownership is a drag. It's a drag on creativity, profitability and general creative freedom. But here's the difference. These two nowadays, although both government-owned, are completely different operators. The only real commonality is the government. They aren't mergeable, not in a sensible, it'll be better when it's done kind of way. It's like a forced date. It's over before it starts. And the losers will be the taxpayer, many of whom are also, of course, the consumers. You weaken both organisations. You take them away from what it is they do best in the belief a hybrid can somehow produce something magical. It's good for the opposition, as in the opposition players in the media market. They'll, um, They'll be picking up the fallout. Hope I'm wrong. I hope there has been a miracle and the government has decided it's all a bit hard and who can be bothered. But if I'm not... And this is all set to go. It'll be yet another thought bubble by this government that was based on a whiteboard drawing, not any real-world experience, and their ideology will wreck a couple of half-decent organisations.
0: Which, according to uh, the logic he just explained there, uh, will mean a rise in audience numbers for us. So bring it on, I say. I'm Glenn ZB. Uh, that was the rewrap. wrap um, Welcome anybody uh, who uh, previously was listening to the national radio or the concert programme. Or uh, television New Zealand's offerings, welcome. Because um, I'm sure you've come straight to this podcast as well, right? Right. I'm BNZB. Come back again tomorrow. You're welcome. You can listen to both.